You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I have two special guests for you, Kentucky inside linebacker coach and co-defensive coordinator John Summerall, talking about first-round pick Jamin Davis. Excellent insight into Davis's preparation, his improvement, and more from a guy who coached him for two seasons. And then it's Brian Davis from the Austin American Statesman on second-round offensive tackle Sam Cosme. Davis covered him and knows him well. He saw how he progressed and he shares insight into who he is as a person and as a player. You can follow Brian on Twitter at BDavisAAS. You can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up Wednesday explaining why Washington did not draft a quarterback. Was there even a quarterback they like? Well, hint, it depends on whom you asked. Okay, since I teased you a little bit there, there's one, one nugget to know is that some there like Justin Fields, definitely. Some like Trey Lance, some preferred Mac Jones. How did that play into the decision? Well, it'll all be in the story. And I think you can kind of figure it out. If you don't love a guy, then you don't probably draft a guy at that position. Anyway, another nugget. I know we talked about linebacker or defensive end, excuse me, Ryan Kerrigan on the last podcast. I was told based on some comments that Martin Mayhew had made, the reading was that the door was appeared to be closed for him. However, I was told on Monday that the door is not closed on his return but they absolutely want to see how the younger players look this spring before deciding whether or not to pursue Kerrigan again or bring him back. I also don't know if Kerrigan would want to resign here. I haven't heard anything lately, but it sure seemed as if he knew he was done here after the season. So we'll see. He didn't close the door at that time, but he certainly wanted to go and explore his options, see if there's a place he could go start. The problem is that the league seems to view him as a situational pass rusher. So We'll see what happens. Anyway, the door is potentially open, depending on how the young guys look throughout the spring. Okay, that's it for me. Let's get to the good stuff. So here's my conversation with John Summerall. We talk about Jamin Davis's rise, where Summerall saw his football IQ grow and some plays that Davis made that looked easy, but really required some good technique and instincts. We'll also talk about how we can improve against the run, because I think that's a concern that some people had about him before the draft. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course, of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows, as well as the other great content. Hey, this is Joel Corey from Inside the Cap. I know you're enjoying the John Kahn Report, which gives you insider access to the Washington football team. Everything you want you want to know, which is going on with the Washington football team. Once you're done with that, check out my podcast, Inside the Cap, which gives you the ins and outs of the NFL salary cap and player contract negotiations. Check out these two products and other fine podcasts from Empire Media. Well, John, I just want to give a sense from your perspective 
What is Washington getting in Jamin Davis? Yeah, I think first and foremost, they're getting a really um, authentic, genuine, humble, hardworking young man that's going to go about his work the right way, um, cares about people, is going to care about his teammates, is going to want to have an impact on, on people bigger than just football. And, and so he's a really good kid. But I think on top of that, they're getting an outstanding athlete. Obviously, the, uh, the physical tools are, are very – um, very obvious. I mean, he's, he's long, he can run, uh, very sudden, violent as a hitter, plays in space great. Uh, and, and so athletically very talented young man and then uh, has grown a ton between the years as a football player. Really, the last couple of years has really taken off um, just from the mental IQ, the football IQ standpoint uh, has, has really taken a, a real big jump forward. And, and to be quite honest, has still a lot of room to, to develop and grow. As much as I've seen him improve, like that's the exciting thing I think about Jamin for, for the Washington football team is I still think he's got two or three or four real big jumps in his play uh, still in front of him. I don't think he's a done, finished product. Where, where do you see those jumps being made? What areas? Yeah, I just think um, – and I think anytime you know he played, uh, he was a full full time starter here for one season. So you saw it this year, even like this year, you'd see game one through three played to a certain standard, game four through five, six, and then as the year kept going, it's like, all right, he's not just getting a little better each week; he's getting a lot better. So I think just recognition, pre snap formations, what you're going to get. You know, I think when you play off the ball inside linebacker, um, you've got to be aware. Of, of formations, tendencies, and all that stuff. And that's where he grew a ton. I think he's going to continue to grow in that. I think he can still get bigger. Um, I don't – you know, he's not – he's a very lean, very linear built guy. He's still got room to grow physically. He's not done. I mean, I think he, I think um, he's been smart about how he's added weight. Our strength staff here, Corey Edmund and Mark Hill, did a phenomenal job helping him, you know, gain weight. He was 196 pounds out of high school, and he's 234 or five now. He could carry another eight to 10 pounds. So I think just football IQ recognition, he's going to continue to grow. Um, I think the physical stuff, I think he can still get a little bit bigger potentially um, are two, two very obvious areas where I think, I think he'll grow still. And you, you mentioned the football IQ and I read in some of the stuff I read where you were quoted, you mentioned his football IQ as well being very high. So where did you see that? What are some of the little things that you would see in a game that show that football IQ? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the most exciting thing for me as a coach was to see that football IQ grow. Like two years ago, when, when I first interacted with him, sort of the, the he had the physical tools. It was just a matter of maybe the, the, the mental stuff happening real fast, you know, and firing fast. And, and he, I think you start to see him become more aware situationally of what was coming. There's a, a play in the Florida game that sticks out. We were playing um, playing Florida at Florida this year. He's got an internal run fit. He's the weak hook player and has to carry three vertical. And Is this the Kyle Pitts play? Yeah, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, third play of the game. And he carries Pitts up the seam, the weak seam, vertically all the way to the boundary sideline. And – just made it look real natural. And yes, it was very athletic, but it was also very aware of like, okay, I got to carry this guy vertical. I have an internal run fit. 
who is that guy? What angle do I have to take to make that kind of play in coverage, which was, was a big time deal. And then yeah, a play that sticks out that a lot of people have given a lot of credit to in coverage was the Tennessee interception where he yep. went 85 yards for a touchdown. I just thought he did a really nice job getting into the strong hook and then kind of knowing how to melt back in with the route and, and transitioning back in with where the route was going based upon where the quarterback was going to throw the ball. So just really reacting cleaner, quicker, and faster to what, it, what he was getting. You know, Jamin's been good at knowing what to do. I think he just finally this year took it to another level of, like, the detail of how to do it. You know, it's funny you brought up those two plays because I did want to ask you about them because I had seen that play against Florida. I think even on that play, he actually takes a step toward the line. Is that yeah. – and, and then he's yeah, got the cover. There was, there was, yeah, there was a little bit of a run action. He was a, an internal run fitter. So if they had handed the ball off, he had an interior run gap he had to be responsible for. And so he's got a little a little bit of conflict run pass-wise. And um, once he recognized it was a pass, rolled up underneath the hip of, of Pitts and was, you know, so it showed a little bit of a mental piece and, and obviously a lot of physical there too. On the interception, because he made it look easy. And, yeah. you know, flipping his hips like that, he made it look easy. What, you know, when, again, from, so it looks like that. When you see that, what are some of the little details of that play that jump out to you have coaching that position? Yeah. You know, Jamin makes a lot of things look easy that are not always easy, but the, the biggest thing, it's easy for guys a lot of times when they, maybe they're a zone defender and a, and a hook drop to just get stuck and only be locked in on seeing the quarterback or just seeing the route one or the other, not having a good feel for both. And to me, working to your landmark, working to, to the location we were having dropped to in that call, and then relating back to the receiver while still being able to have vision on the quarterback and play the ball. So being able to feel the, the route from the receiver, where is the quarterback, the timing of the route, the timing of the throw, um, just the, the, the piece of that instinctive stuff to, to lean back in, melt back in with the, the route, to go make that play. So, I mean, that's that's a play that I think showed a lot of instinct and a lot of route recognition and awareness. And then you, I've seen, too, you talk about he prepared as if he were on a mission this year. What did you see him doing that told that suggested that made you say something like that? Yeah, he wouldn't leave me alone. I mean, he was uh, <laughs> he was he wanted to come in here and watch extra video a lot. And um, we, you know, I think in our defense here that we run, our inside linebackers have to be um, football astute guys. They have to think the game, know the game, be able to speak the game. And Jamin really took a huge step forward because he invested a lot of time in his own development. You know, he was he was responsible for his own development by how he invested his time. And um, I can't think of a Thursday during the season. You know, we play on Saturdays. I couldn't think of a Thursday in a season. We get done with our staff meetings in the morning. He'd be sitting in my office at 11 waiting to go over more video. And that was not a set meeting time with a group. That was just him coming in extra. Most days when we had meetings throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he was in our meeting room an hour early doing extra on his own. So he's, he's very willing to do more work, to do extra work, to figure out a way to get an advantage. Um, and that's probably where I think he grew the most is – by investing that extra time, taking steps forward towards uh, his own development. 
How do you see the military aspect? Because I know his parents are military. How do you see that playing out in him and his just in him as a person and then in his game? Yeah, I think I think personally, you know, Jamin's not a real like he's a low maintenance, doesn't doesn't come with a lot of frills. He's not look at me attention guy. Like, you know, as many as much attention as he got through this season or through his through this draft process. And we talk all the time. We were texting earlier today. Um, he would always deflect attention back to his teammates. You know, it was about the team. It was about DeAndre Square, our will linebacker this year, who, who is a really good player in his own right. It was about other guys on the team, other guys in the position group. So I think the military aspect that does have a lot to do with how he's selfless, um, how he wants others to get credit and recognition as well. He didn't want the spotlight. Like now he's not afraid to step up and make those big plays, but he doesn't, he, it's not all about him. He's, he's got some service minded stuff in his head and in his um, DNA that comes probably from his, his family, mom and dad, both being in the service, military service. So that, that I think is a big factor. Um, and I think that really fuels a lot of who he is as a human being, his parents, you know, obviously his mom, and dad, um, their, their impact and influence from a military background, I think had a huge influence on how he's, how he's wired. And you obviously lost one of your starting linebackers this year to the stroke. And that was obviously an unfortunate situation. Did you, turning it to football, did you know Jamin would come in and do that? Did you, were you at that point? Because he finished strong in 2019. Did you have a feeling he'd come out and do what he did? I knew Jamin was ready. Yeah. So going into the, the coming out of the spring of 2019, Jamin was probably our most improved player of the defense mm -hmm. in spring practice. Um, had a couple of things that held him back that summer. One of them was just kind of like a little nagging hamstring injury, not a major issue. But going into the spring of 2020, defensively as a staff, our mindset was we got three starters for two spots at inside linebacker. Okay. And that was DeAndre Square, who's still with us. That was Chris Oates, the young man you spoke about. And then that was Jamin, who was also in that, that mix. So it was really three guys for two spots. And those three guys were like the three amigos, man. I tell people all the time, you know, kind of a cool little story, a little side story on those guys. Is we played the belt bowl New Year's Eve 2019 against Virginia Tech and belt gave them like a, um, a, a gift card to go on a shopping spree at, at Belt. And they all come back to the team hotel wearing the same exact really ugly tacky jacket. And I thought, like, it's bad enough I got to look at one of you dudes wearing this ugly jacket, but I got to look at all three of y'all wearing this ugly jacket. So, but they're, they're like the three amigos. They were always together. They were always attached at the hip. They always supported each other. They always had each other's back. Um, they were a very close knit group. Those three guys were. And, um, and, and so I think, um, you know, Chris's situation probably brought some focus into Jamin's life too, of like, Hey, this sense of urgency thing's about to get real. And, um, and so I think because of that, it maybe expedited Jamin a little bit and it also lit a little bit bigger fire under him to go attack it because he was doing it for his brother, not just for himself. He's playing for something bigger than himself. So uh, that, that goes back to why I think he always references his teammates. I think he's, 
it gives Square. I mean, like you, you ain't got to follow Jamie on Twitter for very long to see him. He'll praise Square faster than he'll praise himself. He thinks Square is the best linebacker at SEC next year, and he thought he was last year. You know, and and Square had a lot to do with Jamie's development too. The whole group did. So, um, but those guys were close, and we saw you could see Jamie coming on. You could see it was about to happen. Uh, I think the biggest thing though is it was like once it started to happen. It was like building a little fire and pouring gas on it. You start to see that fire go out of control. When did you see – I think he was a surprise in the NFL too. So when did you know that the NFL scouts and teams had caught on to him? That's a good question. You know, um, we, we try to do as much as we can to help our guys make a decision on is it right to go or is it when they have another year of eligibility. And Jamin – was not on the radar really for a lot of people coming into the 2020 season. Then he had the enormous year that he had, right? I mean, there was a lot of guys that were more on the radar than him that got drafted really late or didn't get drafted at all that played the same position in our conference. But he wasn't a five-star recruit out of high school. He had not had as much production maybe um, coming into the year, some of those guys. Um, and so early in the – draft process a lot of people were calling us trying to catch up to what's this guy's story what's he all about what's the history on him why why was he not as high on our list before there you know and um and so it was very interesting early on scouts um director of player personnel stuff or and and people in the nfl were calling us trying to get background info and and you didn't really know, is, is Jamin a mid-round draft pick guy? And, and the, the advisory committee stuff didn't really – it was probably a little bit behind, too, because he was not on the radar coming into the year. Um, it's easier to know a guy on the radar where he's slotted because you've already had all this information on him. Um, so I think when the process of gathering that information caught up to who the player was, um, I think that – helped elevating i think the more you know when people had a chance to go back and watch the video of the 2020 season that elevated him obviously i think when they started to do their homework of what's this guy about away from the football field that helped him i mean he's a great human being he's a fantastic young man he's the kind of kid you want in your building um and so that that helped him um and then the last piece that i had more nfl teams call me back you know I've referenced DeAndre Square, our will linebacker, a lot. DeAndre is like, um, like a football genius. Like DeAndre comes over and asks me questions. It's like, all right, wow, you're not like a normal player. Well, because he because he's just next level in how he thinks and sees the game. And I think Jamin grew a ton in that area by being in that meeting room. And maybe the best thing that happened through the draft process as a coach for me was I had, you know, I'd given all the teams my rundown. I said, Hey, Jamin's a very conscientious kid who learning the game has come on fast here recently. Um, there was a transition to the college game for him that, that took a little time. And, and, and I said, but right now he's, he's ready. He's ready mentally. Um, and the, and the best thing that I had as a coach coming back was I can't tell you the number of teams that called me after doing interviews with him and said, wow, this dude's sharp. Like, football-wise, he gets it. 
Well, John, thank you very much for joining me. Great insight, and I, and I really do appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you for the time. Best of luck to you. Thank you. After this break, I'll be back with my conversation with Brian Davis from the Austin American Statesman talking about Sam Cosme, how he developed, and the toughness that he showed. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc.? It's fun, and every Friday it's Home Run Derby, bet on three guys who had home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week you can participate in their eagle-eyed jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Brian Davis. Well, Brian, I just want to give Washington fans a little bit of insight into what they're getting in Sam Cosme. You've covered him. You've seen him. In general, what is Washington getting? Well, they're definitely getting someone that we have felt from the very beginning was an NFL caliber um, person and, and an NFL caliber player. I mean, a guy who has been tracking to make the league someday at some point, it just happened to be after three years at Texas, you know, he started at right tackle uh, came in very, uh, I mean, let me back up a very highly rated recruit out of Atascacita uh, in humble, which is basically in the Houston, greater Houston area uh, with all of the, credentials that you like to see uh, started the whole season at right tackle uh, in 2018 and then moved and then flipped to left tackle uh, in 2019 and played there the last two years. And, you know, the thing I, the thing I really liked about him was that uh, just a very honest, you know, straightforward to a fault type of guy. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. So, one of the things that happened, um, you know, after in, in 2019 is that, you know, he came to the one of the Tuesday media sessions that we have with the players. And, you know, it was, it was Oklahoma week. And he just said straight up, he said, he said, yeah, you know, the, the, those guys are good. You know, the, the defensive line's OK. I mean, I, I've seen better. You know, I've played against better. And it's just like but it was funny that he wasn't <laughs> saying it in a in a in a denigrating way. He was just like. You know their defensive line's okay, but you know we, you know they're not they're not all world. Oh my god! And he got blasted <laughs> for that. Don't ever say anything like that during Texas OU week. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> just a, just a very very honest to a fault guy who uh, really I think is going to be uh, welcomed wherever he landed, but especially with Washington. Now, if he says that about Dallas's defensive line, they'll build a monument to him up here. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Dallas's defense is terrible. That's right. right, the Cowboys, right. You know, that's why the Cowboys made all those picks. But, you know, the one thing I will say this, and, and I know a lot of people who are digging into draft analysis and all that, 
I mean, let, let's let's be real here. The draft, the draft Knicks, they didn't really talk very highly of his technical skills. Right. And I get that. I understand that. Uh, you know, is that the fault of Herb Hand, who was the offensive line coach the last two years? You know, I, I don't know. But I, I do know this. I do know this is that there is one hell of a motor inside that guy's body. I, I, I can tell you that for a fact. And I think that one of the things that I've heard that I heard, I think I heard Kuyper say this, or maybe it was one of the guys on NFL Net, NFL Network, that he's got enough tools that you could definitely work with and teach him to be a technically proficient tackle. I, I think if you're if you're the Reds, if you're the Washington team, you know you're excited by that. When you say you, the the motor, what did you see in that that leads you to go be that strong about it? Oh, it's just it's just the way he would would want to you know punish guys off the line. I mean, look, I mean he he is your classic uh, nasty left tackle. Now, does he stand up too much at times? Maybe, um, you know. But but he, but the guy had a very good uh, pass blocking grade, um, you know, all all three years. And then I think Pro Football Focus came out with their grades, and he had, he had really good grades with, with them as well. I'll put it to you. I'll put it to you like this. Texas's offensive line, okay, the left side was never a problem. It was always the right side, and and that's what people need to know. Um, as far as an, uh, you know, everybody talks about his athleticism. How did you see that most? Well, I mean, I think you got to just if you want to see all of his athleticism encapsulated on one play, just go back to the West Virginia game where he uh, caught the touchdown pass, <laughs> yes. you know, I mean, I, I know, th- I know that's just one play and I know people can say people can dismiss that as, Oh, you know, all the stars aligned. I get that. But, but to ask a, uh, but to ask a, a 300 pound lineman to go out there, catch the ball, make some moves in the open field and get to the end zone. That's pretty impressive. It, it, it I, was impressive. <laughs> I, th- I think. And, uh, and just the smile on that dude's face and him talking about, oh, my God, it just it was it was such a cool moment, you know, in, in West Virginia. And what was a big win for Texas at the time? It, it was actually a fun play to see because not only did he, he it's a basically it's a lateral is a mm-hmm. backward pass. So he's got to drop back about seven or eight yards and then gather momentum. He ran about and totally probably ran about 15 yards to get that. And it was blocked, but he still had to make a couple guys miss. And like, you weren't sure. So it was a, it was a really fun play as a person. What are they getting here? Do you, and how well, I don't know how well you're able to get to know him, but as a person, what do you think they're getting? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, Sam is, Sammy's one of, is one of these guys that uh, he's not afraid to open up and talk a little bit about uh, himself his freshman year, I believe it was, um, he quietly did a couple of, I don't want to call them interviews because they weren't interviews with, with, with us media, but he did some things on campus where he talked about uh, anxiety hmm. and, you know, kind of battling, you know, if you want to put it under that catch-all umbrella of mental health, you know, you certainly can. But but here's a guy who who wasn't afraid to admit, you know, he battled anxiety and, and not, not necessarily depression, but it's just, I, I think that I'm a being around college athletes all the time. I'm a big, big believer that mental health is something that is not talked about enough. And here's a guy who even very young in his college career was, was open enough to talk about that. You know, I mean, we, we think of these guys as, you know, bulletproof gladiators, but they're right. all humans at, at the end of the day. 
And um, I just think that here's someone who admitted that um, he's not perfect and still managed to excel in the fishbowl that is uh, Texas Longhorns football. I think he's going to come out stronger for it. I also think there's something to be said about guys who go into college as a three. He was a three-star recruit, Mm -hmm. and he emerges as a second-round pick. Those kind of guys, I think, appeal to coaches in the NFL or teams in the NFL. You look at his athleticism, but also he put himself in a position to improve, and it seemed like he was driven to improve on his game or to make himself stronger or to work on that. Is that kind of what you saw? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, this. I mean, this is this is one of the few guys that we see come in who um, it, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to put your finger on it, but you know it when you see it, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be solid. And um, it's the way they carry themselves. It's the mm-hmm. way they present themselves to us. It's the way they play. You know, the, you know, the most, the, the highest compliment we can ever give an offensive lineman is that you don't notice. Him. Right. Right. Exactly. And I would argue that we, we, didn't really notice Cosme for three years because he was out there doing his thing and, and protecting Sam Ellinger. And because there was talk about right tackle, left tackle, they're going to try him at left tackle. Do you feel like that's his best spot after watching him? You know, I, I always, I always felt like uh, in the NFL, it, these guys, these guys are so in love with just uh, size, you know, height and, and weight, you know, can they put a, can they put a Coke machine out there and, and, you know, get around. That? Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he checks the boxes physically. There's no doubt about that. Like, like I said earlier, I, I think that there will be some people in Washington question, you know, is his footwork perfect? Is his hand placement perfect? Um, does he get too high up in his stance? Because that was th- those are things that were talked about here. Right. But, the guy was, but the guy was so physically dominant, he could just bull people over, right? NFL, in the NFL, you can't do that. Right. right? You, you, have to, you have to be darn near perfect uh, technically. So can he play left tackle? I mean, yes, I, I, I think he should try there. But I also think that if that doesn't fit what, what Ron Rivera is looking for, I mean, the guy would be a, a perfect right tackle. I think. Two more things. Um, the LSU game in 2019, he faces Chase on really good defensive end. A couple tough plays, some good plays. What do you think he learned from that game? I don't know. Maybe you know. I don't know if you had a chance talking about what he felt he learned or what the coaches felt he learned took from that game or what they learned about him from that game. There, there should be a there should be one of these uh, oral histories written, you know, years <laughs> from now about what that game meant to both sides. He he never talked with us about what it was what he learned from that specific game to answer your question. But I do know this is that a lot of players from both sides felt. That it that it was an incredible night to where everyone could gauge where they were. Right, right. And I have rarely covered a college football game like that where you came away from that thinking, "Wow, both both these teams could be great." Obviously, LSU was and Texas wasn't <laughs> um, in, in the end. But um, Cosme, uh, Kerstetter, uh, Shackelford was in that game. I mean. The Texas linemen all all learned some big lessons that night. I, I got to believe. Um, the last thing, then people there, you read about his toughness, and there talk a lot of the stuff handed down maybe from his parents, who are from Romania. I think they're first generation. So, do you did you see the? How did you see that influence? Do you say look at him and say that's just a tough guy? I mean, is that part of what his makeup is? 
Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and when when he when he gets there uh, to the training facility, and you guys get to hang around him a little bit, you'll you'll just you just know it. You just know that okay, this is a no nonsense, straightforward, don't mess with this dude type of guy. I mean, don't get me wrong, unfailingly polite, extremely nice disposition. Uh, off the field and, and the right amount of badass on it. You <laughs> there know? you go. I would say this regardless of what team picked him. I, I think that Washington is getting a damn solid NFL lineman. I, I really, I really, I really do believe that. And um, you know, you you know, we get to know these guys personally, and and that you know, even if it is kind of even if it is superficial sure. on some level, Cosby's a guy that a lot of people in Austin are going to be pulling for. There you go, Brian. Great insight. Washington is going to enjoy that. So I appreciate you coming on and joining me. You bet. Absolutely. I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg. It's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. I appreciate John Sumrall and Brian Davis joining me. And as always, I appreciate you listening. I'll be back with another episode later this week. It should be one with one of Washington's draft picks. Talk to you next time.